It is Locked On Jazz for the, ah, I don't have my watch on. What is it? It is December 21st. The Utah Jazz did exactly what I asked them to do yesterday, so we have to be happy about it today, right? Well, let's discuss it as they beat the Charlotte Hornets. I think we're failing at an understanding of this season. We'll try to do that as well, plus a Power Ranking Tuesday. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thanks very much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen every day. You can subscribe. We are free and available on all platforms. And of course, thank you very much. Uh, happy Tuesday to you. It's it's not hat day today. Hat day is only very, very special occasions. And yesterday, happy hat day led to a win. Hat The hat is 1-0 and will only come out in the most special of occasions. The crazy hair will just live um today you know it's interesting as i closed yesterday's show and i was talking about how you know there's some disturbing trends that we've lost these leads and we haven't won um we haven't beat below 500 teams the way we usually do and all those things so if you were listening to yesterday's show you know i kind of ended it and my theory was we're just not that tough to play anymore like we've kind of become the happy fun offensive team we're not as good defensively and we're not we're 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 not as hard to play. We really used to be the team um, where I think people walked into Salt Lake City with the altitude, with Rudy, with the way we played, and it was like, God, I don't want to do this tonight, um, you know. And then we changed a little bit um, who we are as a team, and we got a little more offensive minded, shall we call it? Uh, maybe not as physical and as difficult. And I think that at times, um, you know, I think at times that we've just not been as hard to play. Last night, we were pretty hard to play. Like, I thought we went back to that. Like, that was a good win in that sense. And particularly considering that our offense just didn't come for the game. Fourth fourth game in six nights, and we just didn't make shots. Uh, weird game, right? Because it was the number one offense against the number two defense. It was two bad transition teams, and you really thought you were going to get this, like, onslaught of transition and this really fun night and we got the opposite neither team could score in the half court um and then the jazz did a really good job of keeping them out of transition um so let's look at some of the numbers on this one just to kind of because i think they really tell the story well about what the jazz did well so the first thing is that charlotte was in the half court 77 percent of the time which is exactly kind of their average so we didn't do anything exceptional but we didn't let them get out and run they didn't get out and run they didn't get in transition they didn't play with any great um, downhill force on us. We kept them predominantly in the half court at 77%, which is right about, I think, um, Charlotte's number for the season, uh, pulling up my pregame notes, which I have in every note. Uh, they're at 78.3. So, And they were at 
um, where did I put it? 77.1. So they were pretty close to right on their, on their transition, their half court number. When they got in transition, they were great. They were 1.5 points per, per transition. That's, you know, we're not great at that. They are, um, we Euro fouled really, really well. Honestly, that was a huge part of it. And then interestingly enough, we crashed the offensive glass. The way we stopped their transition transition, um, was to crash the offensive glass. We pounded them, grabbing about 43% of all offensive rebounds in the first uh, half of the game. And then in the second half, it wasn't quite as demonstrative. But we still ended up with 22 offensive rebounds, grabbed 36% of all offensive rebounds in this game. And what that really did was stop their running. And this is this is new school. This is where the games kind of changed a little bit. For a long time, Doc Rivers and Greg Popovich had the world believing that you couldn't offensive rebound. It would hurt you in transition. You you had to you had to get back at all times defensively. And built and instead the Jazz went the other way yesterday. They, the New Orleans, or excuse me, Charlotte is not a particularly good defensive rebounding team. I think they came in 26th in the league, 27th in the league in defensive rebounding. So we assaulted the the window, and when we did so, it slowed them down, stopped their fast break, and it's actually how we won the game offensively because we weren't very good offensively last night. Our half-court offense against a not-very-good half-court defense in Charlotte, we got stymied. They switched everything at different times, and they zoned, and they they did all sorts of different things to us throughout the ball game. and our half-court offense was not very good, but we took advantage of all those things by – by hitting the glass and that's kind of that's to me is a not only a play hard but a but a a play on you know in in this idea of like well we're uncomfortable to play against or no fun to play against no fun to play against a team that's pounding the glass forcing you to finish every defensive possession when you're not very good at it Um, and so that's a pretty good example of of us you know forcing them into a game that they didn't they don't like very much Um, and we did a pretty nice job of that um, last night uh, they did a good job of generally getting us off the rim because, um, you know, we had 19 shots at the rim last night and most of them had to have come on either like lobs to Rudy or offensive rebound putbacks. I'd have to look and see what our shots were after offensive rebounds last night. Um, I don't know that we're, we often like to kick out to three. It didn't feel as though we did that a huge amount um, last night, but maybe, but those 22 offensive rebounds certainly were a, were a key to the victory because one, it slowed down transition and two, it, it got us, um, we averaged 1.05 points off our, um, second chance opportunities, which is not great. Um, we just really, you know, shot shots we usually make, we did not make last night and we found a way to win. That's a lot of what I was talking about yesterday is like on a day where it's not going right. Are can, does this team still win? And they did. And they won pretty handily. Now they blow a massive lead progressively over time. They led by 22 and then the Hornets just kind of kept running and narrowing it. They would go to 12 and then knock and then go back to 12 and then knock it down. And all of a sudden they got a run. Terry Rozier got hot. That's what happens. Um, and then you liked what you saw. Like you definitely were all nervous. The arena was nervous. I was nervous. And then, you know, we turned it over on back-to-back possessions. And I literally asked Ron at the broadcast at that point, like, where are we mentally? Um, and what the answer was we had another gear, which is great. Cause I wasn't totally convinced um, of that at that point. I thought that there might have been, you know, we've lost four games to wild shots at home, right? Devontae Graham, Jaron Jackson, Lonnie Walker's layup, 
and Contavious Caldwell Pope's turnaround jumper and two re- weird reviews and a jump ball where someone's talking to someone. Like it's just weird stuff has gone on this year. And it just, I, I wondered whether or not we were mentally kind of not quite where we needed to be in that circumstance. I thought they showed the opposite. Donovan really suddenly pushed the tempo again against a bad defensive transition team, which we did not do for most of the game. We weren't in transition very much either. And then pounding the other side, Bogey just buried some big shots. Um, And, you know, frankly, if you kind of look at the last three games now of this kind of close play, as we talked about yesterday, against the Spurs, we make everything against Washington. We didn't. And then last night we made just about everything. I think we scored in five or six straight possessions. You know, you're just, you're going to miss the, you know, bogeys can't shoot a hundred percent from three in transition in, in like the final five, six minutes of games. It's just not how the world works. Um, so I think that, I think that, you know, actually, if you kind of look at the last 15 minutes of clutch time, it's, I think we're pretty good offensively. Actually, it's a pretty good representation though, of where we are. So those are the kind of big takeaways. Um, one of the two of the other numbers to look at, and we'll, we'll talk, dig into this a little bit um, coming up. Charlotte only took 19 shots at the rim last night, um, and they shot 63%, which isn't, you know, but you'll see it when I dig into something here with LaMelo, and I thought he adjusted well, but the Jazz defense only allowing 20% of Charlotte's shots at the rim last night was really huge. And that's, again, being tough and hard to play and Rudy having an impact. When and this was not a great match. This is like Lamelo doesn't have like a mid range game, and Rudy took away the rim, and they could not get to the rim last night to get shots. And Terry Rozier didn't have it, so um, I think that that you know that was another example where we kind of put our stamp and made the game hard on Charlotte last night uh, and got the win. Uh, Tuesday edition of Locked On Jazz is brought to you at Murdoch, and I, I am very upset with someone. I have been driving. A Murdoch Hyundai Sonata Red Suite. Um, really liked it. Like their high-end sedan, super really liked this car. And someone bought it. Like no fair buying the car I'm driving. Um, and so it's gone. And I'm 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 upset with you. I, I missed my car. Like I had gotten a little attached to that red sonata. And um yeah, I wasn't driving it like in a snowstorm, but I was driving it all the time. And now it's gone. And now I have a black Kona, um, which the next of you is going to steal from me too, probably. Um, but anyway, uh, I'm a little upset about it. Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Linden and in Logan. Uh, they have some cars going in. The merchant, the merchandise there, I saw somebody yesterday picking up, uh, uh, picking up the uh, a Palisade, which is such a fun car. Uh, and they were had the nice family, the kid, and they're carrying their baby around as they're getting a new car. It was just a really cool. Um, I love to see it. Um, but Jason was letting me know uh, while I was there, there are a bunch of incoming cars now. 13 Sonatas, 6 Elantras, 25 Santa Fe's, 32 Tucson's, 14 Palisades, 8 Ionic Hybrids, and 11 Konas. So their car inventory is picking up at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 46, 46 South, South State Street, also located in Linden, and in Logan. Today's show is also brought to you by Truebill, the new app that saves you money by helping you identify this and stop paying for subscriptions you don't want or need, or even negotiate better deals on those you want to keep. Truebill has saved, this number is crazy, the average person $720 a year 
companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts. Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them and cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. I find it kind of cool. They notified me today. I had a big expenditure coming across. They want to make sure it was all right. It was. It was my all-star break housing. And um, and so that's fine. Like, But that's great. I got a little notification today that said... Um, are you sure about this expenditure? And I was, and so I was happy. You can go check it out at truebill.com slash locked on MBA, truebill.com slash locked on MBA. could save you thousands a year. Thanks very much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. Uh, locked On Bets would be a really fun second listen uh, along the day. Let's go to Keith. It's time to be, is it time to be worried about losing several double digit leads this season or just chalk it up to regular season stuff and expect playoffs to be different? So, you know, games ebb and flow, right? And as and as we have a propensity of three point shooting and someone like Terry Rogier, like I don't know what Terry ended up shooting entirely last night. Um, like Terry Rogier last night finishes, yeah, it's a great example. He goes four of ten from three last night. Three of them all came together. Well, that's a nine zero run. Like, if you get two stops, that's a 9-0 run really fast. And that's a little bit of what happened last night. Terry Rozier, Scary Terry got going. And he, he hits, like, three threes in a row. He's one for seven on the rest of them. And, you know, when when you've got shots that count more, threes, and everyone's taking them, and, and then kind of collectively you can kind of flip the coin enough time that it happens. So, and then you maybe you press and you turn one ball over. Now it's all 11-2, 11, two, 11 like, the runs are just going to happen. What <clears throat> happened last year for us is whenever we had a run, a 10-0 run for a long time, we were so good that if you fell behind like that, trying to make it up against us over the course of the night, you had no chance, right? So we were really good defensively. We were good enough offensively. We were pretty good. We were, we were and if we got a 10-0 run on you or a 14-2 run or a 12-2 run at some point in the game, it was 10-0 was kind of our magic number. And then you had to like outscore us thus by 12 for the rest of the game. You had no chance because we were so good that you couldn't get us. That's not the case so far this year. That's, that's the thing that jumps out to me is that we're not so imposing the rest of the game that if we have one of these runs on you, one of our flurries, that you're done. So to me, it's not so much giving up the double-digit leads, because I think that's the course of way the game plays, that these things happen. It's that we're not just so imposing upon you the way we were a year ago that you are that you kind of are dead, that like you just don't have it. Does that make sense? Um, uh, Bryce says, I think the belt you mentioned on the IG live uh, Holly was wearing would look good above the lockdown sign. I got to figure it out. I think so. I probably have to change my camera angle a little bit because the wall's not all the way showing. But yes, I do have that belt and I need to probably figure it out. Um, so here's another large lead question. I felt like they got a big lead and simply easy to take turn shooting threes and crashing the paint while you're up 16 and it leads to fast breaks when you miss. So first thing is that missed threes do not lead to fast breaks. Missed layups lead to fast breaks. That's kind of a, that's a myth that's out there. Um, the actual truth is if you shoot a three, the chances are your floor's balanced. You get back in transition better than if you would. And I actually think if you shoot close shots, you have almost a better chance for offensive rebounds. I'm not sure 
I haven't found out. I'll have to ask Sergey um, what the number is on offensive rebounds, but I'm not totally convinced the old myth that you can rebound threes better. Certainly some of them are longer rebounds, but and that and that feels like it's a fast break. But even on a longer rebound, like a free throw line or whatever rebound, if you've got the floor spaced right and everyone's retreated back, you should have three back by the point time someone gets that. Um, if you don't get it yourself. If you if Donovan drives, goes for a layup, you've now got Donovan at the rim, Rudy at the rim, both corners filled, one guy back, you're really susceptible for a rebound and outlet pass. So, and if you bogey drives and falls to the ground, now you're really susceptible for it. So the myth that you shoot threes and it leads to transition is not true. You miss layups, it leads to transition is far more accurate. Um, I think I've said this all year and, you know, I could be totally full of crap. I think our team is particularly susceptible to my turn, your turn right now. Now, Mike Conley being on the floor seemed to negate that a little bit last night. Um, But I think we're particularly, we have so many offensive players we do not have enough possessions to go around. Um, and we are, uh, you know, I can tell, you know, so-and-so has been on the floor for X amount of minutes and hasn't gotten a shot yet or hasn't gotten a shot in that time period. Like they're going to shoot. Like, I feel like I can tell that right now. And um, I don't love that about our team, but we're loaded offensively. And the way you get rid of that is either one of two ways. One of which is you trade two guys for one and then you have, you know, and they use less possessions. Um, and I'm not sure that's great. And then two or the other way you deal with it is the fact that you get less offensive players and you get guys who are willing to play without possessions. Well, that, that, that kind of blows who we are. Like I hear all the discussion about the athletic wing. I certainly get it, but I also like, can the athletic wings shoot because the whole essence of who we are is we have four shooters on the floor at all times with the best rim roller in the league and we're impossible to guard. It'd be nice if we were a little tougher and deep more back to kind of that defensive diff more tough, not tougher as in like physically like more difficult to play. I do think, I do think it's a little bit of an elegant dance at times. And I thought last night was not. And that's what I liked about last night's win is I thought that um, uh, that, that jumped out to me a little bit that you had kind of this performance across the board where guys battled when things weren't good. Like, and there was, it, last night was not an elegant dance. Last night was a little mosh pity. Uh, kind of amazing how the Jazz haven't had big COVID outbreaks considering what we are seeing around the NBA right now. Yeah, let's knock on one. You know, I was talking to a lot, of, like I was talking to our, our health uh, guy, basically was like, gosh, I hope our community understands how important they are to the Jazz. Like, there's a level here where, like, if you're in Utah, like, get boosted, wear, like, be safe, be reasonable. Like, if it spreads in our community, and particularly how contagious this thing is, and it's at the grocery store, and it's at the, um, and it's coming. Like, let's not kid ourselves. Omicron is coming. Like, we're we're back to March twenty. If you're being, if you're being, you know, kind of somewhat understanding of your activities, the reasonable thing at this point. I'm not trying to make any statement, but it's pretty clear. The reasonable thing is we're back to like March of 2020 when we didn't know it was coming, and we really kind of got careful. Like, I, I think I'm done with indoor restaurants for a while. Like it's unfortunate. Like we'll take out, we'll still support our local businesses and we got to keep our kids at school. There's no questions on that. And, but like, there's just certain things. And so like the grocery store is like a risk, right? Going to be a risk here shortly. And so, you know, what can we do as a community to help the jazz, which is, you know, can we reduce, can we reduce the spread at a level as a community that when members of the family or our players are at the grocery store, they don't bring Omicron home. 
like the, these things matter. No, it is it is incredible what our team has done so far. We've been diligent. We've also just been fortunate, frankly. Like, you know, this does not, you know, if you get this, it's not like you can be you can be idiotic and get it. Certainly, you also can be diligent and get it. Like there's two, you know, um, so I think what you have a little bit is here, but yeah, the more our community as a whole takes the precautions and keeps our environments as safe as possible, the better off and a you know, really considerable competitive advantage for our basketball team. Like Charlotte was really, really good this year. I think 13 and eight, and then they got hit and they don't have a roster that has kind of the depth to be able to handle this. And so first it was Plumley, and then Nick, Nick Richards was playing and then that started to wear guys out. And then last night they were missing either Caleb or Cody Martin. I can't remember which Martin twin out of Nevada. I really can't like um, Cody who's their best three point shooter. Cause he was in the protocol. You know, they, they were missing two rotation players. Gordon was out and then they're missing Martin. And then they had missed Plumley earlier. And, and then the other one is like, you know, we'll see on this one's a little nerving, but I, players are not coming back quite right again. Like, like Jason Tatum talks about that. He has not come back right at all um, from COVID. And then I'm watching very subtly and this is not very good research. And so I probably should be a little careful about this because I don't want to like create a stir, but like, I'm noticing that when I'm prepping guys, their numbers are not very, now maybe, maybe they didn't play for 10 days and that's it, but their numbers are not very good when they're coming back from this right now. Like guys who are like, Oh, they're out two weeks. They've been back for five games. And I look at their numbers and they're like 34% shooting and 31% from three. And like, I'm using the phrase on the broadcast, like hasn't quite regained their footing since being out for health and safety protocols. It's like, hmm, like hope that's, you know, um, uh, uh, the guy who just told me that I came here to hear about the jazz, not Omicron, you know, can we talk, I'll talk politics with you too. Like we're humans and we're living in this world. So I get it. I'm fatigued from it too, but don't jump my ass about it. Like, like, cause I, I, I got a sneaking suspicion if you're going to go ahead in the sand on this whole thing that like, that's not going to be great for everyone. But yeah. Hey, I don't really want to talk about it either. I don't want to live this again. I, I, I really want to go to the gym again. Like I'm, I, I, I don't like, this is not a great, you know, Hey, but you know what? It's part of life right now. So, um, the issue is Snyder. Why is he pulling, putting the ball in Donovan? No D's hands for the final shot. He's never made a game winner ever. You're so weird on this. Now, there is a level, by the way, that with two seconds left, I do think there's something to like bogey 6-8 and Donovan 6-1. Um, I think that's a reasonable discussion. Like Donovan at 6-1, it's really hard to get some of these looks off. Um, and so I think that when you look at that, there is something like bogey coming around that Houston play with, you know, point seconds left and getting that shot off instead of Donovan because he's six, eight. I think that that's a legitimate discussion. Um, Donovan's one of the clutchest players um, right now in the league. If you look at clutch play, Donovan's shooting 50% in the final five minutes of a close game right now. That's super high. Um, the best clutch players in the league generally, you know, uh, Joel Embiid is getting four shots in the final five minutes of the game. He's shooting 52% and crazy shooting 42% from three Durant's at 44% LeBron, LeBron's at 39. John Morant's at 43. These, this next one's interesting. Steph's at 27% and 19% from three in the clutch. Trey Young's at 37% has not made a three yet. Jason Tatum's at 36 and 13. Terry Rozier, who last night tried to take some shots is at 28% 
and um, and is a 10% from three. So I think in Donovan's at 47% and 30% from three. I mean, that's one of the better numbers in the league. Um, I think there's a real misnomer from fans about what you really are supposed to be able to do in the last five minutes of a game when defenses are set and everything's in the half court. It's pretty hard. Donovan in the final minute of a game within one possession this year, which, you know, really are, is four of 12. That's that's really good. There's not much of any. Russell Westbrook's four of eight. Um, and Bradley Beal's three of six. And I think Cole Anthony's done pretty well with six attempts as well. And that's about it. Like in the final minute of a game within three, there aren't many guys better. So, you know, take that and put it in your pipe and smoke it. Um and then I've now addressed you so you can stop trolling the chat room, Garcia. I've given, I, I gave you your due. You had your moment and your time. Sour today. Um, I, nothing pisses me off more than telling people telling me what I'm allowed to talk about. Like, let's just be perfectly honest. Okay. Like if you want to get my goat, if you want to troll me, um, like if you want to troll me, tell me what you think I can and can't talk about. And I will always react like this. Like, and I won't actually always react like this. I'll usually say what I'm really thinking right now. Like it's okay. So um, like you want, you want to tell me what I can and can't talk about. Well, we'll talk about everything I want to talk about. You, you'll enjoy that. Um, then you'll really know how crazy I am and how stupid some of my ideas are. Uh, you listen to the podcast for power of knowledge, whether it's on the jazz or Omicron or no, I'm just kidding. You switch to boost mobile for the power of saving money because with boost, you get, the power of a five free 5G phone so you can listen to all your latest episodes. The power of three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line so your families can harness all that brain power too. And the power of one of America's largest 5G networks so you can do it at all at 5G speed. With all the money you save and all the knowledge you gain, just how powerful will you become? Switch to Boost Mobile and find out. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A32 G5. When you switch to one of America's largest 5G networks, more power to save. Boost Mobile. BetOnline.ag with the promo code locked on. <laughs> we'll give you a 50% welcome bonus. What do we got for you? We got NFL today. Seahawks are a seven point underdog to the Rams. And the Eagles are a six and a half point favorite to the Washington football team. Yeah. And then there's a Thursday game. I don't know. And then I don't think the NFL's changing any more games after that, from what I hear. Um, then, then it's just going to be survive. Uh, NBA tonight, the Lakers and the Suns, and the Suns are a seven-point favorite over the Lakers. Dallas and Minnesota. Minnesota is a one-point favorite over Dallas, and New Orleans is a point-and-a-half favorite over the Blazers, which is a little surprising and interesting um, to see. NBA player awards right now. Uh, the coach of the year, Monty Williams plus 425, Steve Kerr plus 450, J.B. Bickerstaff plus 500. Regular season MVP, Steph Curry is minus 110. Durant's plus 250, Giannis is plus 700, and Jokic is plus 1,200. I would vote Jokic right now. That's all at betonline.ag, promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. Um, Del Toledo, who's always got interesting thoughts. Says Tory Craig to the Jazz happening this year. I've been asking for this for two years. Let's address this because this is the athletic wing concept. Okay, so Tory Craig is a um, first of all, like I think we have like forgotten. Donovan torched him in the bubble, killed him. Um, so Tory Craig is long, athletic, and since he doesn't shoot well, 
we assume he's defensive. He's a good defensive minded player. He might be. Um, I always think it's hard to equate, right? But so let's say he is. And so you're going to add Tory Craig at 6'7", 221. He is shooting 28% from three this year. And you're going to play him for whom and where and when? Like, I mean, like, this is a really, 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 um, this is a really good question. Like, I, I actually think this is kind of the essence, um, the essence of this whole idea that we need an athletic wing. So, Tory Craig is fits the. So you want to play in Deltiosis? He wants to play Tory Craig for less Royce O'Neal minutes. Now, the value in Royce O'Neal playing less minutes is he'd be less tired. Like I went back and rewatched that game the other night when we lost to Washington. Royce is tired. He, he Royce makes a bunch of not very good plays. All of them stem from, I just spilled. Um, all of them to me stem from fatigue, cutting corners on defensive routes, not getting back defensively. They're all from fatigue. So the reducing of Royce's minutes is an interesting idea in the sense that, um, but, but Royce is a 40% three-point shooter until last night, probably slipped, slipped under. He was 50% um, catch and shoot. Like that, Royce's little missing last night was inevitable. His um, I've been kind of watching this and saying it on the broadcast. And every time I said on the broadcast, I was actually getting nervous about when last night was going to happen to Royce. And it finally did. Royce O'Neal's catch and shoot recently going into last night's game. Royce was 25 of his last 47 on catch and shoot. 56% on catch and shoot threes. So if, so you're going to take, and how many minutes are we talking about? So Royce is playing. I think Royce is playing about 30, maybe 32. So you're going to take him and what, in those 10 minutes that Tory Craig is playing for 10 minutes and he can't shoot, he's a 28% three-point shooter. Who are you? Are you playing with him, Rudy? So you have two non-shooters on the floor now? How are you doing this? Like, let's talk it through. Let's try to figure this out. So, so Royce is the Jazz best wing defender and maybe average at best. Sure. I'm not sure Tory Craig's a lot better than average, but let's, for the sake of argument, say that Tory Craig is way better. So he's a 27% three-point shooter. And you're going, are you closing the game with him? Like, is he guarding DeJounte Murray in those possessions at the end of the game against San Antonio? Because so now you have Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Tory Craig, Boyan Bogdanovich, and Rudy Gobert on the floor. And they're not guarding Tory Craig at all. And every single one of your shots in the final five minutes is going to come from Tory Craig. Like I want to, do you think Tory Craig finishes games for Indiana? We're way better than Indiana. Our roster is way better. Like, and I, again, I'm not trying to pick on Tory Craig, but the concept is the same thing here. We talk about this wing defender, but most of these wing defenders we're talking about all the time shoot 27% from three. How are they playing and who are they playing for? And in the playoffs, if you can't shoot, you can't play. Del Toledo says, I value defense over offense. Well, that's cute because the league doesn't. I used to. It doesn't really work. You can't, if you can't shoot, you can't play. Um, and so now, all right, Bob says Harrison Barnes. Okay. I love Harrison Barnes. 
But like for what? You give me a bogey last night? You're going to give up that? Who do you think's got a better chance to knock down those shots? Harrison Barnes or bogey? I don't think Joe gets that done. Joe's the interesting one here on this whole conversation, if we're going to be perfectly honest about it, because he's a free agent at the end of the year. And if we're not re-signing him, and there's someone who actually has multiple years on their deal that makes us better for the long period of time, you can argue it. The other one that's really interesting on Joe is he's probably not closing games. And so the one thing I think if you really want to go get grandiose with like your trade thoughts about this team is you go take a player who's closing games and Joe Ingles, put them together for someone who closes games. Can you get better? I don't love that because you're trading Joe Ingles, who's a pretty important piece to what we do. But that's the that's the concept there of how that would work. Okay. All right. Uh, we didn't get enough into power rankings like I'd hoped. Gobert needs touches even if he doesn't score all the time. Offensively runs way smoother when he's more involved. More blender, less hero ball. Um, yeah, he needs touches also because defenses are daring us to throw it to him, so you've got to throw it to him. Two, even when he fumbles and has these like terrible plays or takes his 13-foot jump shot that like misses the rim by three feet, like the fact of the matter is his efficiency is so high. It's a pretty good possession every time he touches the ball. The second thing I would say um, about that is – that he stays more engaged defensively. And, you know, like last night's postgame, he's really happy. Like, oh, we were unselfish to that. I mean, that means he got the ball. Uh, I think Barnes had dropped off quite a bit since his hot start. Boyan has largely remained consistent and has ice in his Here's the thing about Boyan. First of all, Boyan, you know, might be one of my most favorite players. And I almost, like, ruined our whole broadcast right there. Um, here's my thing about, that's just so incredible about Boyan. I, and I, I don't know if I can share my screen quickly enough to be able to show this guys to you. But take a second and go to basketball reference and look at Boyan's career with the Jazz. Like, his shooting, actually, he's now so hot, he's actually blown my thing. His, he is the back of his basketball card every year. Like, when he started poorly, he was going to get to the bas- back, back of his basketball card. The fact is, he's actually having a career year now. He's pretty hot right now. He is 58% effective field goal percentage, which is his best ever. He's 53% from two, which is one of his better ever. He's now 42.5% from three, which ties his career high. So he's actually now not the best. What I was going to credit him with is that every year, no matter what, he literally just puts up the same numbers. It's pretty close still, right? He's getting two less shots than he used to, but he's his overall shooting percentage has been 45, 44, now 47. His three-point shooting's been 41, 39, 42.5. His effective field goal percentage has been 55, 54, now 58. His free throw shooting is 89. His rebounds are 4.1. His assists are like 1.5. His steals are 0.5. His blocks are non-existent. His turnovers are actually way down this year. He's having a career year. It's pretty interesting. All right, that is Locked On Jazz today. Thanks very much for tuning in. Appreciate you immensely. Have a great one. Talk to you guys soon.